The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 20th chapter. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. But Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. And as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive your sins, the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands and the mark of the nails, and place my finger in the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, and put your hand and place it in my side, and do not be disbelieving, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? He said, Blessed are those who will have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples that are not written in this book. But these have been written that you might believe that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life in his name. This is the gospel of the Lord. How, how good is the good news, folks? Really good. <laughs> how inclusive is the good news? Well, it is. You know, the passages we were reading today, you take that Acts passage. I think of you guys. You guys are starting a whole new church. I mean, when Jesus was in the upper, I assume it was the upper room they were hiding the week after where they were had the, the Lord's Supper. Um, but as they were up there and they were with Jesus, they started realizing we were brothers. Man, they were believing the fact we are brothers. And, uh, and you know, and they're going to start this new church. And they told everybody about it. And it was exciting. Uh, Jim Stockland's a member of your church, and he was in a Bible study that I was leading on Wednesday morning this past week. And he was... I mean, he started talking about this church. He couldn't quit talking about it. <laughs> he just kept talking and talking and talking. And finally, I said, Jim, we need to move on with our, with our Bible study. And he said, oh, okay. But he was excited about it. These first guys were excited. I think you guys sense this excitement of starting out new. Uh, Tom, in the, uh, as, as you were getting pledges for the year for the budget, did you have anybody... Do you get any equity out of people? People sell their equity in their homes and, and pass it on to the church. I mean, I mean, this is getting exciting, right? This is starting to hurt. No, <laughs> no, but this is exciting. The the scriptures that we have today, because it's it's just starting out, 
And then when we have the first John passage, in the first John passage, here's the way it reads. He says, we've seen him. We touched him. We saw him. He was with us on at least 11 different recorded occasions over 40 days telling us about the kingdom of God. And so we have taken that which we have seen and we have heard, we proclaim to you also so that you too may have fellowship with us. This gospel is a good news and you're asking people to be a part of your fellowship. As you grow this church, don't be people that don't ask folks. People want a home. People need a home and need a family and need to have a real family. You know, I think of, I think of you guys on Wednesday nights. Uh, that's the great time. Put some good food out there. I mean, that really helps people like your church. They think, man, this is a family. I mean, they eat really, I mean, they just don't have cheese dip with Rotel. They have the really good stuff. It tastes like Mexico Chiquita from Little Rock. Uh, at any rate, and, and have a good, and y'all drink, you drink beer on Wednesday night? Do you, you know your history, don't you? Your Lutheran history. <laughs> Uh, Martin Luther said that good beer and good theology go together. <laughs> or, yeah. Uh, I did a college, or a Bible study with some 20 and 30 somethings in uh, California. I started probably 15 years ago. And these guys still meet together. And I met with them for about six years. And, and I called my son. And I said, Cleve, here are the guys that I want to get in this Bible study. What do you think it'll take? He said, well, number one, you can't do it at 6.30 in the morning because that's when I eat. He said, so you've got to do it at night. He said, number two, you're going to have to include beer. Uh, Bible study at night with beer. Now, I had never done that before, but then I thought, you know, Martin Luther did say good beer and good theology go together, and those guys met, and they grew in Christ, and it was, we had a two-beer limit, though. I mean, you know. <laughs> So I'm not suggesting beer for your Wednesday night, though you might think about it. <laughs> at any rate, at any rate, then in, then in this last reading that we had, uh, the reading of the gospel, uh, these guys, they were the first family, and they were excited about their family. And their family grew like crazy. But I want us to go back to that second passage as we think about it. And the second passage in the first John in verse two of, of of that of that passage. I'm gonna get on the wrong page. Where is it? Here's the way it ends. It says, Now Christ is the propitiation for our sins, and not only ours only is not ours only, but also for the sins of the entire world. Christ satisfied the justice of God on that cross. Sin is not an issue. It is for all people. Uh, a Catholic priest had a uh, member of his church, a congregant, who had reportedly been speaking to Jesus personally. And so he called her into his office and said, I hear you've been speaking to Jesus personally. She said, yes. Um, 
having a little trouble with it, wasn't he? He said, um, I tell you what, next time you speak to him, just so I can know that you're speaking to him, get him to tell you my last confession. Get him to tell you what I confessed the last time I went to confession. Jesus said, okay, pastor, so our priest, father. So he goes out, and uh, she comes back. And she's smiling, and he's going, uh, did you meet with Jesus again? <laughs> she said, yes, Father, that was Jesus. He said, uh, did you talk with Jesus? Yes. Said, did you remember? She said, yes, I remember. Well, what did he say? She said, you mean about what you confessed last time? Yeah, exactly that. I want to hear it. She said, Pastor, can I take your hand? She took her hand. Jesus said he didn't remember. <laughs> he doesn't remember. He doesn't remember anything you've ever done or I've ever done. We can't disappoint him, folks. He loves us that much. But he loves not just Lutherans. He loves all people. I should have told the kids, some of the kids that you're going to ask into your family aren't the nicest kids at school. That church family that we have is made up of all types of people. All are welcome at the Lord's table. The Eucharist is called the good gift. That's what Eucharist means. And it's offered to all. Let me read just a couple of passages. Uh, in addition to this passage in 1 John 2, that says Christ is a propitiation for all men's sin, let me read 1 Timothy 5. Here's what he says. It's a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance. For it is for this we labor and strive because we have fixed our hope on the living God who is the Savior of all men and especially of believers. He's, are you sure? He's the Savior of all men and especially believers? Gee, who? What was he thinking? And then you hear from Titus. Titus says, Titus 2.11, it says that the Christ has appeared bringing salvation to all men. Oh, really? Well, let's, let's go on and let's find, let's figure out what First Peter said. Because what about those people that died in the flood? Well, First Peter chapter 3, verse 18, it says, For Christ died for sins once and for all the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he also went and made proclamation of this gospel to the spirits now in prison. These are folks that are not alive. They're dead people. And then he said, who were once disobedient when the patience of the Lord kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark, 
in which a few, that is eight people, made it through. Jesus makes proclamation even to those who died in the flood. And I'll bet he's pretty good at sharing the gospel. You think? Well, then you might say, well, what about the people at Sodom and Gomorrah? Well, then you go to Ezekiel 16, and you hear Ezekiel, the prophet, he's reaming out Jerusalem and Samaria, the capital of the northern, the southern kingdom and the capital of the northern kingdom, Samaria. He says, you guys' sins are worse than Sodom's. <laughs> and in the midst of it, he says, restore five times. Yet I am going to restore all of you, including Sodom, back to her former state. Folks, this is a redeeming God that we're dealing with because he doesn't remember. Whoa, how good is this gospel? How good is the good news? Then you go to Romans 5.18 and you read... Paul, and Paul says, through one man's sin, sin entered the world, and death by sin, all died. Through one man's act of obedience, all will receive the justification of life in Jesus Christ. This is a big gospel. This is an inclusive gospel. Folks, this is good news. This is good news. Uh, Domitian, when's the last time you told someone they were going to hell? No, I mean, you and you were sharing the gospel with them. <laughs> Anybody raise your hand? Last time you shared the gospel and told someone they were going to hell? <laughs> well, you're in good company. Jesus never did either. But let me tell you, in the first century... And about 95 A.D., a uh, Roman Caesar named Domitian made a statement about the Christian church. He said, uh, these godless Christians, they, they not only feed their own poor, they feed ours. <laughs> Back in the first century, if you were, you know, you're starting a church in the first century, and they told you you need to go out and be Jesus' witnesses and that you need to go and tell the gospel and the good news to people and share it with them. Uh, you know, you might be a little tim timid. In fact, this individual was real timid. And he was walking along with this, this guy that was, wasn't pagan. I mean, but he believed in pagan gods. And, and he, said, uh, he said, are you religious? And I mean, since other God brought the subject up, he could say, you know, this will be my chance. I can share the gospel. And he says this. Uh, yeah, I am religious. He said, uh, uh, you know, we're here in the Agora, and there are all these statues. Which is your God? He says, well, um, uh, we don't have a statue of God, our God. He goes, you don't have a statue of your God? Okay. Well, I tell you what, uh, where does your God live? Where is the temple that he lives? And he says, well, the temple's inside of me. We are the temple of God. God lives inside us. He's sitting there going, your God lives inside you. Okay. Well, tell you what. Surely, surely you make sacrifices to your God. Uh, no. 
No. Matter of fact, uh, he made the last sacrifice for us. And it was his son. The guy looks at him and says, you've got to be kidding me. This is craziness. This is godlessness. No God does that. Well, that's how the gospel, the gospel was received then. Nowadays, if, if you, uh, you go to a Palestinian country and you say you're a Christian, a friend of mine has a Baptist uh, missionary that's over there, and he tells the story. He said, I was talking about Baptist missionary, and he said that he went to the, the, these Palestinian Muslims and said, uh, you know, I'm a Christian. And he found out what that meant in their minds. If you're in a Palestinian nation, and you say you're a Christian, they automatically think that you hate Palestinians, you want to kill Muslims, you eat pork, you drink alcohol, and you walk naked before your children. Now, I'm not sure what naked walking naked before your children is like, but I don't think it's good, right? But that's what they think when they hear the word Christian. Isn't that sad? Why couldn't we tell people about a Jesus that is so inclusive? That is so inclusive that these New Testament writers, Peter, John, Paul, said he is the Savior of the entire world. This is good news. In other words, you share the good news. Come join the family because you're in. You're already a member of the family. Now you just need to become a member of the family. He doesn't remember. I shared my faith with a Chinese gal just two weeks ago. Uh, this gal is the neighbor of a good friend of mine whom I was visiting, he and his wife. And they had her and her son in their house. And they introduced me. And we were talking, and, she, and my friends were really bold, Christian family, and they said, well, we want you to come to understand our friend Jesus uh, because he's your friend too. And the woman was a little standoffish. She heard but didn't, I don't think, I don't know what it meant to her. But then I looked at her and I said, Jesus and Buddha are one. She looked at me, her eyes just lit She started to cry. She threw her arms, I mean, before she was bowing like this, right? She throws her arms around my neck and just, just, and, and, and I was going, get down off now. After a while, she, after a while, she's, she's back and she's, she just said, you're wonderful. And I said, no, it's the message of Jesus. See, there's neither, neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. There's neither Scythian or barbarian. We are all one in Christ Jesus. They're made in his image. Those people. Do you have any those people in your life? Since you're a believer in Christ, you shouldn't have those people. They are our people. That's the way you grow your church. You ask 
our people to be our people. The way my son Cleve says it, and I love this, he says, you are redeemed. Be redeemed. You're already redeemed. You're already accepted in the beloved. Jesus doesn't remember. Thank God this is the gospel. Amen.